what is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. As always, bring incredible guests from all over the world. So sit back, relax, and tune in. My next guest is a former nurse who assisted with open heart surgery for over a decade. She is the owner of Height Digital and a fractional CMO. Please welcome Amy Singleton. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Deanna. Uh, I can't even imagine how intense that would be at be doing like assisting in open heart surgery. So yeah. like tell us, I mean, I guess I'd like to know like what made you want to become a nurse and specifically assisting in open heart surgery. Ah, oh, well, that's a great kickoff question because I placed a label on myself very early in life and um, I actually wanted to be a doctor. But um, the label of fear in Amy Too Much held me back from that that career path. So I became a nurse instead because that felt less risky. Uh, but I did enjoy my nursing career so much. Um, yes, did open heart surgeries um, for a long time and always felt called to serve people in some way. Um, and even though my patients were unconscious for most of the time I was with them, I was able to really serve and communicate with their families who were in that waiting room and be that patient advocate in the room when they're completely under anesthesia and everyone else is kind of just doing their job of what they're supposed yeah. to do. I was that advocate in the room for the patient. And that's what I really loved the most. Oh, that's amazing. Cause I really believe that, you know, and if you go to the hospital at all, you have to have an advocate. I don't mm. care what you're going there for. You have to have an advocate. Oh and if there's not yeah. a nurse like you around, you better have a family member that can mm -hmm. advocate for you because no offense, but that is not exactly an institution that is no. going to, they're just not. I mean, I've had no. from All the offense. Screw healthcare. And I, oh, I have, <laughs> after I left, I divorced. I do keep my license active just in case yeah. you never know. But, sure. and I like to keep the CEU. But yeah, I have personally, even through my own health challenges, divorced medicine as much yeah. as I possibly can because of that. Even I find myself finding it difficult to advocate for myself and family members in today's age this day and age of yeah. what healthcare systems are like. So happy to be out of that, especially yeah. when COVID hit. I was like, woo, great, great choice, buddy. Thanks yeah, for taking well, me out of that profession. <laughs> thank you for your service and doing that. I mean, I don't know. I actually decided to take my hus husband to the hospital and I just was like there. I was, I was getting like kind of like PTSD because my first husband who passed away like seven years ago, he was in, he, he had needed his third kidney transplant. He didn't make it. Wow. And so I was always like there at the hospital with him all the time. Uh -huh. And so like I taking my new husband back, it was just like, I was like, they thought, yeah, I was, like, oh, oh, you're like, oh, scary. I bet. What? I was just like, no, what's going on here? Can we start, start the process? He needs to get his blood work done. Like, let's, let's go. And then like, you know, if you don't, the squeaky wheel gets the, the oil, right? Isn't that how it goes? That's right. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Anyways, uh, anyways, let's moving on. So yeah. you actually had gotten over a couple of personal challenges that you had to overcome. And so did that come be during being a nurse or after being a nurse? After. Uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely after. So do you want to share with us what those struggles oh, were? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, right about the time um, I was kind of at the height of my nursing career, um, I got a divorce uh, from my ex-husband who turned out to be gay. That was after about 20 years together. Wow. Um, right after that, with my new boyfriend, I, I chose a totally different kind of guy and went for this outdoorsman, hunter, fisher guy. The hell? Not my <laughs> kind of guy. But I broke my back on this motherfucker's, on his 
four-wheeler in on his hunting oh, lane. No. I broke my back. So I had had, I'd actually, I weighed about 300 pounds when I got divorced. Uh, and then I, I, uh, I broke my back. And so I was about 135 pounds with a broken back. A big four-wheeler had came over on top of me. Oh my God. And after that, a lot of other things happened. I had, uh, I got cancer. I had a miscarriage. Um, I had um, just all these other weird symptoms as well started showing up. And so I was a medical mystery. They didn't know what was going on. They thought I had heart disease. They thought I had cancer. They didn't know. I did have cancer, but not the, the same kind of cancer they thought right. I had. And right. All kinds of crap. Well, only to two years later get down to the diagnosis of, lup of lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, all these autoimmune processes sure. that were going on in my body. Uh, so at one point I was in a wheelchair completely. Um, you know, I left the boyfriend, had to move back in with my parents. I was going to wound care. I was on about 35 different medications from antidepressants to antipsychotics. I got really, really depressed as well. Yeah, for uh, sure. And with the broken back, with the rheumatoid arthritis, with all the health problems I was having, I was in a shitload of pain, like so much pain all the time. And being a nurse, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to a doctor and it, it will manage my pain. I'm going to go to a pain management doctor. Well, that wasn't great because they just added more pills to the yeah, fire, which yeah. made things even worse. And so long story short, I detoxed off the most insane amount of max dose of um, uh, morphine, uh, all kinds of things that I was taking on a daily basis. And I cold turkey that shit right off myself. Good I knew you. it wasn't was not good for me. Probably could have died of a seizure. Didn't care. I was off of it, but yeah. I was still hurting. So, you know, what do you think I did? Well, I'm still hurting. What will numb my pain that is safe and legal? Yeah. Alcohol. I had a fine relationship with alcohol my whole life. I was like a, a frozen strawberry daiquiri twice a year, a beer with a taco or on a ball game kind of gal. Yeah. Never thought I would have a problem with alcohol, although several people in my family did. Uh, so needless to say, went down a complete rabbit hole of depression, anxiety, very near suicidal many, many, many times um, and nearly drank myself to death to the point that. Um, I wasn't even caring for my children for a few months. They went to live with their dad full time because I wasn't caring for myself at all. It was wow. a very, very dark time. Very dark time. But look at you now, though. So what What was your bounce back like? I mean, you look totally healthy. You look happy. You know, you look yeah. and you are doing, you got your own business. And, you know, so how yeah. did you like rebound from that? Because that's a pretty low place to be. It was a very low place to be. And, and quite honestly, it, it took I had distanced myself from everybody in my family. Like I was not talking to anybody. They didn't want to talk to me. And it really, it took um, just an acquaintance, kind of a, a, an old friend. I started to do what I call vague booking. So I hadn't <laughs> connected with anybody, but yeah. there I got brave, right? I, I I controlled my drinking to some point. I wasn't drinking near, I wasn't binging anymore. I felt a little better, uh, yeah. but I still was really disconnected. So I have a vague book like, Oh, just wish I had some friends or, you know, just some vague post, like wishing someone would reach out. Well, someone finally did and was like, he knew my ex-husband and he knew me both fairly well and was like, I know what he did to you was shitty, but get the book over yourself. Like, you're yeah. better than this. Get up, girl. Let's go. And he come and he knocked on my door one day and he's like, come on, get up. We're going to lunch. And I was like, no, no, baby, like, we're going to lunch. Let's go. And that's wow. when he said it to me right across from my face. Like, you are better than this. You were made for more. Let's go. And so it was, I would say that was the catalyst. Although I wish I could tell you every step I took. Yeah. It was ever tiny steps. And sure. I'm telling you that first step was like a step out to the mailbox to get my mail or the step to the yeah. shower to, to bathe myself or to feed myself in the kitchen. Tiny, tiny, tiny steps. Um, and then I started trying to make friends because I I lost all my friends. I, I was not a good friend yeah. to anybody at that point. 
Uh, so I got on some dating apps, not looking for anything to date, just looking for relationships, friends, meet new people. Um, and that's where I met my partner, Joseph, now. Um, and the rest is history because that man saw in me what I could not see in myself and really pushed me um, forward. In fact, after we met, um, we we synergized our, our negative behaviors a little bit. We both went back down a rabbit hole of drinking for a short period of time. Oh, wow. uh, and we both made a decision to get sober on April 1st, which was Easter Sunday of 2018. And so we'll oh, both wow. be sober together six years um, this next April. Congratulations. Beautiful, beautiful life that we have now. Yes. And so now you are, you are completely the opposite way. Not to yeah. say that nurses aren't creative. I feel like there's a creative spark in all of us. It depends on how we tap into it. Now you are running a digital marketing business together and you are a fractional CMO. So how did that start? <laughs> you know, it's really weird that you say that because um, I, I thought I was born for stages. I didn't know what stage, but listen, okay. I was born in the Bible Belt, Oklahoma City, lived in a 10-mile radius yeah. my whole life. I used to tell people that Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers were my real parents in oh front of my very ordinary real parents. I just said it because I knew yeah. I was, I'm going to be Dolly one day. Like, I knew I had a voice. I wanted to use that. I didn't know what for. Um, so it just kind of makes sense now that I host a podcast and speak and communicate on behalf of other businesses. Um, but the way it started was that wonderful partner I met, Joseph, I met him. Uh, seven, eight years ago now, uh, when we met, he was a serial entrepreneur. He had owned several businesses in his life. And the business he was running at the time when I met him uh, kept him really far away from home. So we were looking for, I was feeling better uh, yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally, all the ways. I didn't, I physically still, I don't think I could go back to nursing nor would I really want to. Uh, yeah. So we were looking for ways to bring him home, yeah. solve a problem in our community and do work that I could still do with my uh, my abilities that I do have. Um, and so we were just brainstorming. He's like, you know, where I've spent a lot of money is to people like Angie's List, home advisor, yeah. go daddy, marketers that promised me all these things for my business, but never delivered these things for my business. And I felt so yeah. ripped off and like I couldn't trust them and they weren't local and all these things. So while he was still away doing his job, we socked and saved every dime. And he was making great money at the time, which was, was helpful, but yeah. we saved a ton and ton of money so that we could have some leeway to start an agency. Um, and that's what we did. He was like, I needed someone when I was running my businesses and I wanna be that person for other businesses. Was it hard for you to get into that whole digital marketing space? I mean, you look creative just by looking oh my at gosh. your tree. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely creative, but I'm I'm kind of in that in-between generation. I don't know if they call me X or Y or if I'm, if I'm actually a millennial. I think depending on which chart you look at, sure. I'm 42 <laughs> years old. So I was not, I mean, I, I grew up with a Commodore 64. Like we didn't have right. internet until I was in college. Like it wasn't, I'm not a native user of technology. So I didn't even have an Instagram when I started this. I had a Facebook page and that was it. Like I didn't know anything. Um, but I, what I did was I went and I paid people who knew to teach me. Yeah. I hired coaches. I hired consultants. I dug in and really did the work of learning how to do it in this day and age. Because we work with people all the time who come to us who are the CMO internally of a business who say, I have, a, I have a marketing degree. It's five years old. It's 10 years old. It's 20 years old. I don't right. know what to do anymore. We need your help. Yeah. Uh, so it was a very foreign landscape, but the creativity part, the speaking part, the communication part has come fairly naturally to me, luckily. Sure. Um, but it didn't come without practice, for sure. I felt really dumb um, and still do <laughs> this day all the time. It's all, I do things afraid. Constantly changing yeah. the landscape. Constantly. And you're you're not alone. So I'm 47. And so like I actually took a class several years ago 
for it was like a three month class and how to use and and just kind of leverage all the social media channels because yeah I had like an Instagram and a Facebook you know nothing great crazy and so yeah you are not alone with that but I love it when people and CMOs come to you because that maybe have like twenty year degree ten year degree and with things changing so much with marketing because really everything is marketing these days we are yeah. constantly on this thing scrolling 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 you know like always back and forth and the psychology behind what catches someone's eye on those channels is really important to understand so do you help teach that those cmos that come to you or do you step in like you as a fractional cmo like you mentioned in your bio um a bit of both so we definitely step in as fractional but what we teach them the very first step in our process is to clarify their marketing message, yeah. their language that they're using, because it doesn't matter what your PPC spend is, how much you're spending on SEO, how much you're spending yeah. on website redesign. If it doesn't say the right thing, like you said, we have these things in our hands 24-7. We can get information and information is coming at us so strongly every second of every day. If yeah. that message does not ring like a clear bell in a cacophony of a junior high band concert, then we're not going to hear it because we have to hear language that's speaking to our problem and how that problem is going to be solved and how we will be a hero in our own story. We're not looking for Joe Blow, the plumber who started his business in 1930 with two pieces of rubber band. And like, I'm already bored. We don't care about the history. Right. There's a place for that on your about us page. But sure. if you're trying to get my attention and your advertisements on your homepage of your website, it needs to speak to me, the consumer. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. So we develop a framework using the story brand framework by Donald Miller. Uh, our agency is the largest story brand certified agency in the in the world. Um, and oh, wow. we we develop language that can be used on their website in networking meetings. Wherever they go, they have a clear ringing bell of a message speaking to their ideal client so that they can attract more. So we teach them that framework. And when we deliver that thing, we teach them to use this, you know, teach sure. this to your sales staff, teach this to your your janitor, your barista, your CMO, your CFO, all the way to up and down your entire organization needs to. It's almost like thing. operational then. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, because of something like that with that message, if you're, you're having them teach it to the whole, the whole staff, that was almost like operational then. Not. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, they've got to get that language. You have to have buy-in from your team. Yeah. You know, it's not like the seventies and eighties where everybody just linked arms and now ah, we got the job done. They have your team. <laughs> also has to know what they're working for. So there's a different set of language you can use internally for your team uh, that we can also develop. But okay. really that external language going out to the to the client um, is what we want to teach those people, as long as they have a good culture already. <laughs> we can yeah. find consultants that they don't. Um, but then we take and transla uh, translate that to their website, their SEO, their marketing, um, if they're doing paid advertising, whatever channels it is that they need to use um, right now is what we take and translate that language to um, in that effort to bring them more leads and more quality clients. Do you think it's harder these days for people to utilize marketing to get more leads just because of how volatile the whole space is? Yes, absolutely. Because as a business owner who doesn't know the way that things work, you know, yeah. a, P a PPC campaign takes 45 days to learn, period. Like what, what that? leads, What's great. PPC? To, uh, a Google ads, a Google ads okay. campaign takes takes, you know, over a month just to learn what it needs to know in order to deliver. So I yeah. think when people are out there doing it on their own or like, I'm going to start SEO, or I'm going to start blogging, I'm going to start doing this. There's a lot of information. 
There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of gurus that think they know the right way and want to sell you a course to teach you their way. Yeah. Um, and, and then people just don't, they don't have the stick-to-itiveness um, and the knowledge. It takes the knowledge and the consistency to really make a make an impact with your digital marketing piece. And um, as a business owner that's wearing all the millions of hats they think they have to wear, um, they're, they're not patient enough for something to really work to put together that consistent effort that it takes on any one platform. So they're just jumping around. I'm going to try here. I'm going to try there. I'm going to try a boost a Facebook ad or whatever. And that really never gets to a cohesive marketing strategy that will really drive them forward with a foundational, um, a foundational piece that ends up giving that to them over time, like SEO. Yeah. It's a long-term process. Right. I think any type of marketing plan does take commitment. I mean, you really have to commit to it and under and be very clear with your message or else it's definitely not going to work. Well, can you give us a, like, what type of companies do you work with? What are you like your focus or your ideal clientele? We serve, um, I don't have a specific niche, but we have about three buckets that, that our clients sort of fall into. Uh, the first one is home services. So painters, roofers, uh, you know, HVAC, plumbing, uh, any type of home service, because my partner has so much experience in that, in that um, space as well. And we serve a lot of clients in that space. Uh, then we serve a lot of medical clients because of my background and being able to speak the go. doctor's language. Medical people are weird. We don't trust people unless they know our language, even if they're talking about something else like financial advice or marketing or something. We want to hear someone that knows our language. Yeah. And we serve a lot of doctors, clinics, medispas, things like that. And then the other the other bucket of those people is um, attorneys, actually. We have several attorney clients. Um, and or what I would consider a soft service like CPA, attorney, sure. financial services, that type of thing. Uh, but really, we can help any business that's trying to grow online with their with their digital marketing piece. Uh, yeah. marketing piece. If someone can't hire you, what would be one piece of uh, one valuable piece of advice that you'd give them from a marketing standpoint? Lean into your Google business profile. It's free. Uh, you can maximize the absolute heck out of that thing. Um, you can post to it. You can put offers out on it. It will, if you link it up to a decent looking website, it will help your SEO and help you to be fine, uh, found more in your local space. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and what does it look like if someone wants to work with you and then maybe talk a little bit about you be being a fractional CMO and what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So to work with us, basically, um, we actually have an assessment form. We will fill out and see like kind of, um, how many decision makers are in your business? What's your revenue at? Um, what, what, how many, what's your lifetime value of your clients? Knowing some of these numbers really helps us to formulate a plan for, uh, for a business. Um, if they're not ready to work with us, um, then we can offer them other resources and whatnot. But really, um, our process starts with a discovery call. So I can see whether or not I'm a good fit for their business and vice versa. Uh, and then we go and we put together, we typically do an audit. We go in if they're already, most of our clients are already or have had some level of SEO in the past. Um, we'll go in and audit what's been done, uh, kind of the direction we need to go um, and sure. sort of present that plan to them and, and show them a roadmap. Um, typically, that starts with a messaging. Uh, our very first thing we do is messaging, yeah. typically a homepage redesign or moving them to a WordPress website if they're not already on one. And they may be on a free builder or something like that. That's not going to uh, last long term for them. Um, and then if they need lead flow now, we will implement ads, uh, whether that be on Google or Facebook. We do the research sure. to find out where the best place is, um, offer budget suggestions uh, as well, because that budget goes directly to those platforms, not to us. 
Yeah. Um, and then we implement a long-term SEO strategy, which is what is really that foundational piece to get that website to rank organically without having to pay for ads forever, which not only helps their business now, um, it helps their business in the long term when they're ready to look at an M&A situation where they're going, OK, we're looking to to sell this company or, um, you know, hand it off to the next family member. Uh, having a well-ranking website with lead flow adds six, seven figures to the top line sale of a business um, whenever that time comes. So setting them up foundationally for the very end goal and what their goal is that they have in mind. Um, you know, if their goal is not to sell that business one day and they're just going to die and forget it, then why are we even going to do SEO? We'll just run ads forever and get you leads. Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking for a foundational business that will last, sure. uh, you have to do you have to do the things that will will make you a firm foundation online. I, I love it. You definitely know what you're talking about. So if somebody wants to book a call just to maybe learn more what it looks like to work with you, where can they find you and connect with you? Absolutely. AmySingleton.net. All of my links are right there. Um, and I think there'll be a link in the show notes. I have a free website toolkit that will help people to kind of get their act together, especially if they're getting ready to work with a marketing agency, getting all those logins, trying to identify who their ideal client avatar is. Um, some of those preliminary questions they're going to get asked anyway. It's a good tool for them to use um, to kind of get ready for their next steps in their marketing when they really are ready to grow their business. I love it. Yeah, you guys, I'm going to put those links in the show notes. If you connected with Amy today and are interested in learning more or just want to take advantage of that free tool, go ahead and click the link, go check her out. And uh, yeah, hopefully you continue the conversation. Amy, this is the part of the show where I like to ask for last words of wisdom or advice. What would you like to leave with us today? Love yourself. Man, I spent so long thinking that I was too much for other people and that I I wasn't the right kind of person or just not being comfortable in my own skin, however much skin that was at the time. Um, and I have found so much more joy when I have leaned into myself and loved myself and truly put myself first ahead of my children, my spouse, everything, because I can't care for them unless I'm cared for by me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I subscribe to that theory big time. And so with all the other, and just real quick, all the other like health issues that you have, how are you feeling today? Are all those gone? I feel fabulous. I feel great. Yeah. I've never, I've never felt healthier. And um, <laughs> yeah, in fact, my last lab results came back pretty much clean as a whistle, except I'm, I'm pretty anemic. Uh, I need more, I need more protein in my life. But uh, other than that, um, yeah, I'm doing great. I feel great. Amazing. From the bottom to the top and everywhere in between. She is a testament. Amy's a testament to what is possible. So, uh, Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story and being a true inspiration of not letting labels define you and keep pushing forward and breaking free of those things that are holding us back. That's it. Break it. That's right. All right, you guys, this is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. As always, don't forget to subscribe, follow, rate, review, comment, share, all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.